Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray God, that You would take Your Word, apply it deep in the hearts of people. God, that the only reason why we're preaching through Leviticus is because we have a, a deep, lasting trust in the power of Your Word. Um, God, on our own human strength, there are, are what seems like better reasons to do things or more, uh, more um, applicable or more effective. And yet, God, we know that Your Word is living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. And so, Lord, I would pray in some way, somehow, God, that You would use these chapters in Leviticus to pierce our hearts, to, to draw us to Jesus, to strengthen us yet for another week as we think of depending upon You and trusting in You, God, just for our, our life. God, so much is, is in the balance. Um, God's been prayed for. Several mothers and a father are in their last days. Um, God, could be any of them pass away this week. Um, Father, for, for others, there are decisions seeking to be made. There are, are burdens on our souls. God, there, there's so much. And yet, I, I would pray, even now, Holy Spirit, that You would just Comfort us in your word and draw us into the full assurance of hope what we have in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. It was about a year ago in our uh, praise and prayer service that um, I think it was about the beginning of the year, just tried to change things up, give you more of an opportunity to be active in uh, really seeking the Lord and, and really praying op- opportunities for testimonies. And, and we broke things up. Rather than one long sermon, we had two shorter devotionals. And Darren Wiebe uh, spoke on enjoying His grace, and Phil Gusky spoke on extending His glory, which is the motto of our church, right? We, we enjoy the grace of God, but that doesn't just sit with us. We, we're not just those who just bask and take that in, but we, we push that out and we then extend His glory. And, and I remember Darren's talk. And uh, I remember he took two stories from the Gospels. He, he took them about the, uh, the lepers, about the, the nine who left, went their way, but the one who came back and returned, and, and the one leper who, who couldn't keep his mouth shut, just responding, enjoying the grace of God. And, and, and he said something like this, is that these people really enjoyed the grace of God because it made an effect upon their lives. And uh, it was during that message that I first thought about preaching through Leviticus. That's why, maybe why I remember that message so well, is because as he was talking about these passages in Mark, I... I was thinking about Leviticus 13 and 14 and thinking about the Old Testament passages about leprosy. And, and it, it dawned on me that, you know, you can preach about leprosy and bring it to the New Testament and, and give the background. And it, it's wonderful. I mean, it just, it just all opens up. And it finally opened to me how I could preach through Leviticus. And, and so that's what I've tried to do. Take the Old Testament obscure passage in Leviticus and then shed light on them that they might shine in the New Testament, bring it to Jesus. And so, based upon that, I started thinking about it and that's why we started uh, preaching through Leviticus. We've been going at it for since the fall, taking some breaks. Um, but the theme of the book, you can just see it, you see it right up there. You shall be holy. And if there's any fruit from this book that I want to see, that I think God would want to see, is see holiness in our lives. Lives completely dedicated and set apart to God. Now today we come to chapters 13 and 14 which talk about leprosy. Or more 
accurately, precisely, skin disease or skin abnormality. Alright, so a little audience participation here. What, what sorts of skin abnormalities might, might you think of that come to mind initially? Who's got one? Yes, Elise. What? Diaper rash. Yes, exactly right. Yes, Michelle. Eczema. That's right. Psoriasis. Acne. Yes, Stephanie. Skin cancer. Yeah. Others. Warts. Good. Hives. Brian, you got to have some. You treat them every day. Maybe you get. You've got to have two, huh? Shingles. Brian, what do you say? Scabies. Andrew. Boils. Freckles. Good. <laughs> Sunburn. Avant. That's very appropriate for Avant, my redheaded wife. Athlete's foot, blisters, and leprosy, of course, is one. If we haven't done so already, I invite you to open your Bibles to Leviticus 13. And uh, we're going to dig into this chapter. Before we do, I just want to remind you of the, uh, how these chapters fall into the book of Leviticus. Chapters 1 through 5 speak about the sacrifices that the worshipers that bring and offer. Chapters 6 through 10 focus upon the priests about the, the sacrifice, how they should deal with these sacrifices that are offered, and uh, also how they're set apart for worship. And then these next five chapters, 11 through 15, speak about um, what's clean and unclean. Two weeks ago, we looked at chapter 11, which spoke about unclean foods. Last week, we looked at 12 and 15, because they're related, about bodily discharges, about things that come out of you that defile you, that make you clean. The next five chapters, 11 through 15, I'm sorry, the, uh, then this chapter, 13 and 14, speak about uncleanness from leprosy or, or skin diseases. Now, all these, you need to understand that unclean doesn't necessarily mean sinful, though there are parallels in being clean and unclean and being righteous and sinful. And it, it, it's not that, that it, it's something you did that prohibits you from entering God's presence, but even if you're unclean, you're not able to enter God's presence in worship, even if you didn't do anything. I mean, we saw that last week, and that was really the, the big surprise from last week in many ways. From, from chapters 12 and 15, just being human means that we are, are unclean before God. Just the natural human functions. We're sinners by nature and by choice, which we'll remind ourselves again. Now, so we come to chapters 13 and 14. One of the problems... And I say that really, it's a problem, is that when we think of leprosy, we, we think of Hansen's disease. That bacterial infection that attacks the nervous system, and particularly the, the skin, and so that you, you lose sensation, and particularly the sensation of pain, and so that burns and fractures and, and rubs and scars and scratches go unnoticed, and greater damage takes place. And eventually you get deformed hands that have been rubbed away, Without notice. And, and I think most of you have seen pictures like this. This is what leprosy is. It's a rare disease in America because simple hygiene is believed to combat it. And if you get it, six months to 24 months of antibiotics and um, it's gone. 
Now, in foreign lands, a bigger problem where the hygiene isn't quite so good. Um, but, but here in America, it's not, it's not so common. In fact, my father is an orthopedic surgeon, was an orthopedic surgeon. And uh, he studied leprosy in medical school and saw lots of pictures like this. In fact, this reminds me of some of the medical books that he had at home that we would look through from time to time and go, oh, oh, that's gross. Wow, that's really gross. You know, we get we get into it a bit. And and I saw pictures like this. And during his days, I talked to him yesterday uh, as medical training, Cook County Hospital. He'd seen some leprosy. Um, not this kind of leprosy, though, as far as he can remember. He remembers seeing leprosy that looks looks like this, which is called lion face. It's just a, a skin disease. It's a, it's a subset. It's a part of, of leprosy, which there is. But he doesn't recall seeing leprosy in the, extremacy, in the extremities until he joined me in going to Nepal in 2006. And uh, he met there this, this man here who was a... a, a a believer near Chitwan, uh, kind of down in the south of, of Nepal. As I remember, we saw him and he has, he has a leprosy. I'm not sure how well it comes out, but you can kind of see it there in his hand. I think my dad was kind of anxious to get this picture because he hadn't ever really seen someone just, just head on with leprosy. And so he wanted to have that picture. And uh, even leprosy nowadays in Nepal is, is a bit rarer has to do with the efforts of a Green Pastures Hospital started in 1957 in Pokhara, one of the first Christian organizations to get in Nepal. Nepal was really closed to foreigners until 1950. Like, you couldn't possibly get in. And really strongly against it until 1960. But they got in in 1957 as worked hard against... Um, uh, leprosy particularly. Here's my dad going to go and see this, this hospital and it was really neat because he had prosthetics and of course my dad being an orthopedic surgeon just kind of loved this place and he, he said they don't have many resources but they're doing an amazing work there. And I think the World Health Organization has basically said that Nepal is free of leprosy. Though this hospital on their website says that just 120 new cases came last year, unconfirmed before but newly diagnosed. And so it is a, a problem uh, in... Um, in Nepal today, still a little bit. And uh, here's a guy at the hospital. I trust you can see his stumps. And uh, do you know what he's saying? Jamesy, he's saying. This is a, a believer who's come to Christ. I don't know his testimony, but he goes around ministering to the patients. In fact, when Yvonne, you came in 2013, you, you saw him. We visited this, this hospital here because it's kind of a big thing to visit in Pokhara. Just they're, they're doing a, a, a great work there and and so I think that he's kind of like the self-proclaimed chaplain that goes around with his, uh, with his stumps. But you can just see the joy in his face. When we saw him, he was happy like that as well, right? He's got no teeth in the front, just happy and joyful and just happy to be alive. And I think in many ways he's trusting that his hand someday will be made well when Jesus comes or he goes to be with Jesus. All right. Leprosy, as we come to this passage, though, I say it's a problem because Leviticus 13 and 14 is probably not talking about this kind of leprosy here. It's probably not. Um, it's probably not talking about Hansen's disease. And, and, and for several reasons. First of all, because leprosy here in 13 and 14 is a very broad term. You can have leprosy, verse 29 of chapter 13 says, on your beard. You can have leprosy in your garment, verse 47 you, you can have it in verse 48 upon anything made of skin. You can have leprosy on blankets and sheets and covers and tents and tarps and bags and socks. Uh, 
In fact, chapter 14, verse 34 says that leprosy can even occur in a house. It just speaks about how, how broad the word is. You know, I, I think the equivalent might be a little bit like snow. For us, just snow is the white stuff that comes down. But to, to uh, an Eskimo, there's all different types of snows, right? There's that fluffy snow, that sleety snow, there's that other different kinds of snows. And that's what this is. This is leprosy, but there's lots of different kinds of leprosy. But it's translated leprosy in most every version that I, I know of because the Greek and the Septuagint use the word lepra. To translate the, the Hebrew tsarat. And so most translations simply kept the word leprosy. It's a little bit like the word baptism. Our translations today just keep the word baptism rather than translating it immerse or dunk. And so likewise, leprosy, they just have kept leprosy. The, the best translation might be scales or flakiness. Uh, Gordon Wenham, his great commentary, says it seems likely the Hebrew term denotes a scaly skin disease. So in my, the rest of my message, I'll talk about leprosy. But when I talk about leprosy, I'm talking about a scaly skin disease, which we probably don't know exactly what it is, but we can make some guess about it. But it's probably not the leprosy of our friend up there. Well, a second reason why it's probably not Hansen's disease, because there's no archaeological evidence past the 5th century A.D. of of anybody having like deformed hands like this and dying. Uh, Particularly the Egyptian tombs are well prepared with their mummification and it's not until 500 years after the birth of Christ that you see archaeological evidence for this. Now it's not to say it wasn't present in the days of the the Hebrew people, but it's just to say that it it wasn't and and it's easily explained if leprosy, lepra, just means a, a general disease. Thirdly, none of these descriptions, these chapters, match exactly what is known today as Hansen's disease. There might be a little bit, and there is some similarities. I saw as I was looking at some pictures online, but it doesn't, doesn't match exactly. There are others that, that match a little bit better. Let, let, let me show you what I mean. So let's, let's look at our first point here. Diagnosis comes to chapter 13. And this is what chapter 13 is all about. It's all about diagnosis. Diagnosing when someone has leprosy. Let's pick it up, verse 1. We're going to read to the first paragraph break. The, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, <clears throat> When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest, and the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of the body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest examine him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and it appears no deeper than the skin and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And if in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days and the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest, and the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, 
then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. Um, now, we're not going to read for the first time, by the way, all the text, um, because reading chapters 13 and 14 alone would take almost 20 minutes. So we're not we're not going to read it. But suffice to say that what I just read is almost exactly like all the rest of chapter 13. Right? Someone with a skin abnormality comes to the priest. The priest looks at it. If it's obviously disease, he says unclean. If uh, he's clean, then he's clean. He washes. If there's some doubt, you wait seven days. And after seven days, you come back and you try to figure out whether the priest does, whether it's spread or not. If it spreads disease, if it's not, then maybe it's just something easily explainable that's just going to go away with time and you say clean. And maybe even again, but so it's just kind of this, this process of, of coming and waiting seven days and coming back. And that's kind of what, what the whole thing is, what the pattern is. In verses one through eight, it says here in verse two that the priest is looking for a, a swelling or an eruption on the skin. I think that's picture there is kind of close to what they're looking for. And in verses uh, nine through 17, the priest is looking for, according to verse 10, white swelling that has turned the hair white, or perhaps raw flesh. Maybe that nasty thing is it. Or verses 18 through 23, we see verse 19, just talking about a spot where a boil is healed. And he's looking for white swelling, or maybe a reddish-white spot. Verses 24 through 28, he's looking for a a place where there was a burn, looking for a reddish white or white spot, according to verse 24. And uh, in verse 30, the priest is looking for hair that's yellow and thin. Yeah, and maybe you get a sense why it's so unclean. It's because it's like, ugh. Well, in verses 38 and 39, we're looking for white spots on the skin. And in verses 40 through 44, we're looking for some reddish-white areas on a, on a bald head. This, by the way, is, is what some books that were around my house when I was growing up. <laughs> Medical books like this, and I, I remember seeing these and just saying, oh, yuck, just like Stephanie's doing. Oh, I don't want to look at those. Oh, I want to look at those, so I don't want to, but... Now, now, all these are the kind of diseases the priest is, is looking for. And, and by the way, everything I've put up here is basically one of three diseases. Psoriasis, favus, or leucoderma. None of those were leprosy proper, though there are some early stages of leprosy that look a little bit like them. But the first two, psoriasis and favus, make a man unclean. right? And rightly so, if you looked at those. But the third... Right? Leucoderma does not make a man unclean. And, and, and you know, maybe you've seen people like this or discolored in their face. Maybe they have darker skin and they have light, light splotches. Maybe um, there's good news for you. Right? This, um, this is not unclean. Because you see, there's nothing pouring out of it. There's obviously not some infection. There's not, it's, you don't look at that and say, oh, gross. You look at that and say, oh, that's kind of a birthmark or something. And so that's, that's clean. And uh, look closely. Turn, turn with me to verse 40. There's, a, there's, a, there's another verse that speaks about someone who's, who's clean. It says, if, if a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald. He is clean. Now, 
Good news, Paul. Good news. Paul's clean. <laughs> All right. So when Paul's out here, he's bald, right? He, we don't have to like, like get away. You don't need to be yelling, unclean, unclean, right? We don't need to, need to run away. It's always good to be, be clean. Now, you know, if you look to understand your Bible, you don't need to have this great lesson on dermatology to understand. You're never going to be a priest. You're never going to have to be able to diagnose these things. You don't need to be an expert at identifying skin diseases. Uh, but to understand our Bibles, we really do need to look closely at verses 45 and 46. Um, in fact, I even have boxed these in in my Bible because... It is, it is the point, really, of application where we understand some stuff in the New Testament. It says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling should be outside the camp. In other words, one who has this skin disease is unclean as an outcast. He was to acknowledge, furthermore, his pain and distress, to sorrow the consequence of his illness, to be in mourning. That's the idea here of tearing his clothes. And, and the idea is that he shouldn't tear his clothes all the time. The, the, what, what he wears should be torn clothes. He shouldn't wear just nice clothes. He should be easily identifiable from far away that he's torn his clothes. And, and, and of course, tearing your clothes just is a sign of anguish. You remember when Jacob heard the concocted story that his, his sons brought about his favorite son, Joseph, who was you know, destroyed by a supposed fierce animal. He tore his garments and he put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son for many days. If you're unclean, that's the response you should have. Joshua and Caleb, when the, the spies, ten spies gave the report, and, and he, Joshua and Caleb gave their report, and the people started going with the ten spies, Joshua and Caleb ripped their garments and said, No, don't follow them. God is good. He's promised the land. The defenses are down. They're vulnerable. God has promised. Let's not rebel against the Lord, but let's follow after Him. And also this letting your hair hang loose, just a, a sign of being unkept, just messy. And, and, and here, this whole idea about covering your, your upper lip, right? it's kind of, kind of strange, right? You cover your upper lip. Um, that's, that's though covering maybe your mustache. It's a sign of, of mourning as well. Um, Ezekiel, God gave a parable to Ezekiel during his days of prophesying. And it's really interesting. He said, y your wife is going to die, but you can't mourn. I think a little bit like just Judah going away, but God's not mourning. It's kind of goodbye, good riddance, you sinful people. And God said to Ezekiel, sigh, but not aloud. Make no mourning for the dead. Bind on your turban and put your shoes on your feet. Do not cover your lips, nor eat the bread of men. In other words, don't mourn. Don't, don't be covering and so I think this covering is a, is a sign that you're to mourn. You're to mourn your own death, really, because if you're unclean, you are really away from the people. You live alone outside the camp. And lest anyone touch you, 
You need to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that so that those know that you're unclean, so they don't come and touch you. Now, obviously, there is a, um, a health reason for this. They knew enough that or God knew enough that you touch those things and it spreads pretty well. But again, it's not strictly that, just like the eating requirements are not strictly dietary. I don't think this is strictly a health thing. But realize this, as you are off alone, as you wear these clothes, you do these things, you, you say you're, you're unclean, none of it's your fault. It's not your fault. Now, we may know the cause of some skin diseases today, but like many diseases, you just, you just catch them. Right? Someone sneezes on a door handle, and then you go through the door, and you get that, and then you, you wipe your nose, and pretty soon you've got... What do you got? You got the common cold. Or someone is sick and then you're in their presence and you get it. So it, it has to do some with that. But a lot of that is outside of our control. We can be as careful as we want. But you're not. And if you're caught, you're outside the camp. And can, you, can you imagine how terrible this would be? I mean, basically, you're banished from society, separated from your loved ones. Um, I think about the example of North and South Korea. You know, when it went split in two, we just had no contact between families, just, just split, gone. Away from your friends and without phones or Facebook or FaceTime, you're totally cut off, have no idea what's going on with your family, can't talk to them, can't really be with them. Maybe you can shout out to them, but you're outside the camp. Basically, the punishment is banishment, which political prisoners get from time to time, like the Apostle John who who was exiled to the island of Patmos. So you're, you're banished, basically. But, it, but it's worse than that, because you, you can't... It's not that you're banished to go live in some settled area and just go, okay, I've got to start my life over. I've got to make new friends in this new area. No, you're, the idea is you're outside the camp living a, a vagrant, wandering kind of life. You can't really settle down. It, it's, you, your destiny is to live away from other people. And, and yes, lepers gathered together and they had leper colonies, but it wasn't a sophisticated, hey, we're going to build this thing up. It was kind of like, this is who we're stuck with. This is where we are. But, but it's worse than that because being a leper carried with it a stigma. I mean, you know how helpful it is today to be encouraged by people, to, to hear words of encouragement and to be lifted up and to be commended for a job well done. In fact, one of the things we've begun to do with Kids Club, and Virginia can attest to this, is we, we've begun just speaking good, profitable, helpful things in the kids' lives, like on, on a birthday. Just what are some things that you appreciate about what God has done in this individual? And you should be amazed at how these kids who get torn down in their homes, they just brighten up. Right? So they're encouraged and, and lifted up. And I just say, parents, you need to be doing that to your kids. Encourage your kids. There's, there's appropriate time for discipline, but they need encouragement as well. But for a, a leper, he's got to go say, unclean, unclean, I'm bad, I'm bad, don't touch me, stay away, right? And that's, that's hardly doing anything to his psyche to help him. Just tearing down. He himself is forced to tear himself down. Say, I'm clean and dirty. But it, it's worse than that. There, there's little hope for recovery. Remember, the priest isn't a doctor. You don't go to the priest to be made well. You go to the priest to be confirmed whether you're sick or not. If you're sick, you go to the infirmary. He didn't say, well, take two aspirin, I'll see you in the morning. 
He basically says, well, get away, get out of town. And if you think you're healed, why don't you call for me and I'll come back and see you sometime. And we know that there were very few actually who experienced cleansing. Remember Jesus when he's in his hometown of Nazareth? And he's preaching that sermon there and he's talking about Elisha the prophet in his ministry. He says this in Luke 4.27. There were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them was cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian. Just, just check. Elisha in his ministry, there were lots of lepers in Israel, lots of those with skin disease, but one was healed. Naaman the Syrian. Elisha's ministry spanned about 30 years during his whole time, maybe 50 years. Maybe We don't know how old he was exactly when he died, but we're talking decades long. One was healed. There wasn't much hope for a leper. I mean, at least you can throw away a garment. Look at what verse 57 says. Then if it appears again in the garment, in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin... It is spreading. You shall burn with fire whatever has the disease. By the way, warp or woof. Um, some have thought warp, warp means one way and woof means another, but that's hard that it just spreads one way. It's, it's probably talking about two different fabrics is probably what it's, it's talking about, whether it's in the, this fabric or in another fabric. But that has difficulties. Well, we don't know what warp and woof is, but that's how most translators translate it. But it just means that if it's in the, the garment spreading... You can just burn it, throw it away, and get rid of it if it's a garment. But but you can't do that with people. Or can you? Because I think this whole issue here in 45 and 46, they're throwing people away. Just get them out. Cast out of the camp. And I think just even at this point, we just need to sit and realize, as, as Phil did in his prayer and talked about at prayer meeting as well, just the application to us is that leprosy is a bit like our sin. It really gives a picture of our spiritual condition before God. I mean, last week we saw the things that come out of our bodies, that part of our humanness defiles us and doesn't let us enter God's presence. And, and we, do, we just come assume, like, oh, here, there's God and, and He's made us, of course we can come in. But, but no, the fall has made us in such a way that there's a, there's a rift between us. And as I, as I quoted last week, right, we are sinners by nature and by choice, right? We're sinners by what we do. But just being human, there's this uncleanness about us. And I think Leviticus 13 and 14 speaks the same thing. Because of our sin, we are diseased in God's sight. And apart from Jesus, we might as well be going around saying, unclean, unclean! Because there's not a one of us who's not sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we're all unclean before God's sight. Fundamentally, all of us are lepers. We're all outside the camp. Isn't that true? That an unrepentant sinner, apart from the grace of God, is apart from God. He's outside the camp. He's not into the commonwealth of people. The good news is this, though, that Jesus came out to get us. He cleansed us through His blood. Hebrews 13.20 So Jesus also suffered outside the gate 
in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. It's, it's just, though Jesus, through Jesus, we can be washed and cleansed and sanctified, and he came to get us. He came to, to cleanse us. He came to, to bring us near. In fact, that's exactly what Ephesians 2.13 says. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We've been brought into the camp. We who are disfellowshipped from God because of our sin have been cleansed and our leprosy is, is no longer more. And I say those lepers outside the camp are simply a picture of what we are apart from Christ. We are unclean. Unclean. Now, in the case that your leprosy did get better somehow, by the way, those with leprosy, it's not like they were seeking doctors. They were waiting on God to heal them. And if they were healed somehow, then they came to the camp and were restored through sacrifices and washings. And this is my second point. We've seen diagnosis. Now we've seen cleansing. That's all of, it's most of what chapter 14 is about. It's about the cleansing ritual in order to, in order to cleanse a leper to bring him back. Now, it's interesting here. When we think diagnosis, what normally comes next? We think cure comes next, right? I mean, we are so used to doctors who know it all. Or you go in and they say, oh, you got this, take this kind of drug. Okay, good, I'll, I'll do that. Or, oh, we'll do this kind of operation and do that. Um, but there are some things doctors don't know, right, Jeff? Just don't know. Jeff been sick since summer, is that right? Since May, and I, I talked with Linda Kay, she's helping out with Kids Club, and she said, well, we went to the doctor, and the doctor's not telling us anything. And I'm like, Linda, it's because the doctor doesn't know anything. Right? Just, just trying stuff and something you don't even know. And if you've been around, you maybe have older relatives or some mysterious problem, you just don't, there's a lot that physicians don't know. My, my dad, you know, he, he talks about, you know, he's an orthopedic surgeon, broken bones. He says, I can't heal a bone. He, he, can, just, he can just put it together and trust that God's going to heal it. How? I don't know. It just, it just happened. Now, it happened enough that he knew how it works. But there's lots of things that doctors just, just don't know. And so the lepers are outside the camp. They just don't know. But sometimes they got, so it's not a cure. They're just waiting for cleansing. Because the priests weren't doctors. They would cleanse you when you're already clean, make you ritually clean in order to come back in. And the, chapter 14 contains the ritual, so it, it, it goes like this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. So in other words, he's out there, he says, I'm clean, and the priest goes out, because he can't come in, so the priest goes out to, to take a look. And then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, that is, the priest looks at it and says, yes, you're healed, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. Now, why these things? I don't know. Uh, some have thought to spiritualize them, you know, like, like the birds we can... Mount up on wings, the, the cedar wood, like the wood of the cross, right? The scarlet yarn, the, the red yarn, right? The bloody yarn, the blood of Jesus. I, I don't know with all this, but these are the things. This is a, a unique ceremony, by the way, to cleanse the leper. 
verse 5, and the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over the fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. And he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. Now, it's, it's interesting here when you, you think about just, just taking the, the two birds. It's um, unique. One of these birds is to be killed and the other is to be dipped or washed or splashed in the, in the blood of the first bird. And then the leper is sprinkled with his blood and then the bird, this living, should be set free. Does this remind you of any sacrifice? Those of you who know the Bible pretty well. Stephanie, what's it remind you of? Okay, the bread of life. That's not what I was looking for. That's a good, good question. Yes. Jesus dying on the cross. Yes, because blood was slaughtered. I'm looking for something else. Anyone know what this is a little bit like? You've had a guess. You've had a guess. Anyone else guess? Yes, Virginia. Okay, a little bit like that. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, a spiritual application. Of this, yeah. Phil. Scapegoat, yeah, this is the Day of Atonement, right? And we're going to see that next week in chapter 15. Rather than with birds, though, it's going to be with goats. One to be killed and one to be let go. So the idea, I think, in many ways is that, is that one dies, bears the burden of the sin or the disease, whatever, and then the other is released so that the, the leper bears the sin no more. He's, he's all restored. He can come back into the camp like a, like a freed prisoner, Right? He once was away, locked up, incarcerated in jail, and now he's come home because he's either served his time or they found him to be innocent and he's, he's home again. Or, or maybe like some cancer patient who's, who's gone through the final treatment and has been declared that cancer's in remission. You go home, woohoo, I'm cleansed, I'm clean. It's the idea, I think, of the bird chasing off. Let's pick it up again, verse 8. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave all of his hair and bathe himself in water and he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp but live outside his tent for seven days. So it wasn't an instantaneous thing. There still was a seven-day waiting period. Why? I don't know again. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair and then he shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and he shall be clean. Okay, and this is what takes place on the eighth day. And this, this is even better. All right, so it's, it's, yeah, it's one thing, like the Day of Atonement, um, to kind of let go of your sins. You see that symbolism, yes, I'm free. But it gets even better because he comes fully restored into the society. Look at verse 10. On the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish and one new lamb, a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah, fine flour mixed with oil, and one log of oil. And again, you just see, again, he, Leviticus 1 through 5, just these sacrifices, the, the thanks offering and the peace offering and the burnt offering and the sin offering, they're all coming here. Everything except the guilt offering, by the way, is coming here. Because there's no retribution to be made at this point is why that one's not offered. And the priest who cleanses him, and by the way, think about these, these lepers outside the camp, they haven't had sacrifice for them for years. 
Right? They've never been able to say, oh, I've sinned, I've brought this. So it's kind of like, okay, we're, we're just solving everything. We're making it all, all fit for you. Just a little bit like, catch this, the priests. Right? When, the, when the priests came in, just these blanket uh, sacrifices and happening. And we'll see even more similarities to the priest here coming up. And the priest, verse 11, who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering. Uh, I guess I was mistaken there. Along with a log of oil and the wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. And the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot. Do you remember that? Do you remember that being offered? Yeah, for the, for the priests. Right? We showed this picture before. That just the, the priest that was Aaron right there and he's anointing his, his sons. Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, and he was taking the blood and, and putting it on the right ear of, of the priests. And, and I made my best guess there about the, the right ear and the right hand and the right big toe, just you know, re- referring back to the fact that the, the ear symbolizes hearing the Word of God, and the, the hand represents maybe doing the Word of God, the the, the big toe speaks about walking in the ways of God. It's kind of what I, I, I think is going on there. I, I don't know, somewhat symbolic. But in some sense, it, it was. But you've got to catch this. The, the, the leper's coming back into the society with full privileges. He's coming back in like a priest. Now, he's not going to be a priest, obviously. But, but it's, as if, it's as if he's coming all the way in like, like a priest would come in. Like, like you remember when Aaron... And his sons were cleansed. They were like cleansed and they waited these days and they washing. And yes, they're finally clear to represent us before God. And so likewise, these lepers have that same sort of sacrifice. Verse 15, Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand and dip his right finger in the oil that's in his left hand and sprinkle some of the oil of his finger seven times for the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand, the priest shall put... On the lobe of his right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the right thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot and on the top of the blood of his guilt offering and the rest of the oil that's in the priest's hand shall be put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement before him who is cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterwards, he shall kill the burnt offering and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. You see a similarity there? What, what, where did you hear that before about oil? Being anointed with oil? Where did we hear that before? The priests, right? Aaron and his sons. In Psalm 133, how precious, right? When the oil that comes down upon the beard, the anointing day for the priest. And so likewise, here comes the, uh, the, the, the leper brought fully back into the people of God. Fully restored, fully anointed, and it's as if he's bringing him back in, saying, you're part of us, you are are clean and holy, as clean as you can be, that's who you are. Now, I want you to think about this. What would the reaction of a cleansed leper be? 
living years away in dirt and filthiness and uncleanness and ragged clothes. Right? Having to yell, unclean, unclean, every time he comes in. And then somehow some, he's, he's healed. He comes to the priest said, Mr. Priest, I'm healed. He says, okay, well, here, you stay here for seven days. And they do these sacrifices and offer everything up. And then, and then he does these washings. He's got this blood on his ears. He's got these bloody ears. He's got this oily ears, his head upon the head. And then when he walks in, you know what the priest is saying at this point? He's saying, clean, clean. What do you think is going to happen to this guy? I'm in the people of God once again. I'm back. I'm here. And so just think about a parallel. So you've been in prison for a while. You come back. Maybe even when you come back for a long trip, you're like, hey, I'm home. You're fully back. You're fully everything there. I can only imagine that back with family, friends, and God, there would be happiness and there would be joy and there would be thanksgiving and realizing all the blessings of everything that you missed before as you're wandering in it. Even just your clothes. You can wear nice clothes now. right? And you can cut and trim your hair now. And you can show your mustache. Remember the joy that leper had when he was healed? Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Let's just, let's just look at this leper. Mark chapter 1. I want to read verses uh, 40 to 45. And I hope that the richness of this passage just leaps off the page. Like, like if, if you just, just read through the Bible, having gone through Leviticus, there'll be just things that you'll catch. Like, like this week, just trying to rush through the Bible, just listening to it. Uh, the, the story of um, Bathsheba, uh, right? Second Samuel 11. She was out bathing. Do you know why she was bathing? Purifying herself of her uncleanness. Goes right back to Leviticus chapter 15. Never saw that before, but now I start seeing that. Start just filling in. What was happening in this foreign, strange land to us? So here likewise, and a leper, verse 40, came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. and He was made clean. Now, again, we just looked at these things. You just... Think about this leper, physically cut off, socially cut off from the people of God, spiritually cut off. He needed cleansing, and the issue is cleansing. It's not, it's not a sin issue here. He's talking about, I need to be clean. The language is coming up here. The other things here are, are, are unique, right? That he approached Jesus. We don't get any sense. He said, unclean, unclean, but he approached Jesus just like the woman last week. With the, the issue of the blood, approach Jesus. Here was the unclean approaching the clean without announcing it, coming, kneeling down, acknowledging Jesus' ability. If you can, if you will, you can make me clean. Submitting to Jesus' authority. And Jesus did what no priest could do. Priests weren't doctors, remember. But Jesus is the ultimate physician and healed him. And again, I just say, it's not... The unclean that made the clean one unclean. Rather, it was the clean one that made the unclean clean. 
just like with the, the woman with the issue of the blood. And I say, how like our sins that we come to Jesus unclean. You thought about why? Why isn't God polluted with our blood? Why, why don't we pollute Jesus when we come into his presence? Because his overpowering purity is so strong that it just washes us and cleanses us. He took our sin on the cross. We come polluted to Father Jesus, and rather than polluting Him, He cleanses us. And all was restored when Jesus healed Him, made Him clean. This terrible disease, right? That that the leper approached Him wonderfully well, and Jesus gave this favorable response and, and cleansed Him. And then He gave some instructions, 43 and 44. Jesus sternly charged Him and sent Him away at once. And He said to Him, Here's what he said. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. This is Leviticus chapter 14, right? Go and offer those sacrifices. Bring those birds. Bring those goats. Bring those sacrifices. Bring that unleavened bread. And offer those sacrifices, or the priests offer them for you, and get that red ear and that red thumb and that red big toe, and get that oil right on top of you, and you go, show yourself to the priest, and offer yourself. And you just put in there in your Bibles, right? Leviticus 14 is everything it's about. All that would have been experienced by this man. But the thing that is interesting is when he said, say nothing to anyone. You know, when people are given new life, they can't help but talk about it. I have seen it again and again and again and again. When, when people are helped, they will speak. When people are impacted by some kind of book, they'll, they'll push that book and pawn that book on people. Like, oh, this is a big help to me here. Maybe this will be a big help to you. Here, I want to help you. Or a diet that's been a big help to them. Right? Been on a diet, I told you that a couple weeks ago. Like, you know what, I'm eager to talk about that because it's helped me lose some weight. Or, you know, maybe some life-threatening situation, right? They're saved by death by some kind of trick or some kind of like precaution that they've made. And they want to pass that on. to protect. They, they want to help people with that. And so likewise here. Right? Verse 45, but this leper went out and began to talk freely about it. Jesus said, shh, don't tell anybody. And what did he do? He spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in a desolate place and the people were coming to him from every quarter. This leper was given new lease on life and you couldn't have shut him up if you tried. And Jesus tried. I think the purpose of why Jesus wanted him to keep quiet is so he could, could continue to be in these towns. But this guy was such a blabbermouth that he, Jesus couldn't go to a town because there's so many people who heard this testimony of the, of the leper that had been made well. And I, I say this, so this is a, my final point here, is that we can learn so much from this man. Has Christ so impacted you that if someone said, you can't speak to anybody else about Jesus? You'd be like, no can do. And Jesus comes out. Remember, the, the apostles were told that. Preach no more in the name of Jesus. And what did they do? They went out and preached in the name of Jesus. And they brought him in and they said, well, we must obey God rather than man, right? We've got to talk 
about the things that we have seen and heard. The, the apostles in the, in the, uh, the New Testament, when you read the book of Acts, they're just eyewitnesses to everything they've seen. They've been so impacted, they can't help but to tell it. So, I guess here's a barometer on your life. Like Jesus says you'll know them by their fruits, and in this case, you'll know them by how much they talk. Do you talk about Jesus? Do you talk about Him saving you in your life? I mean, you just think, if, if you win some big prize, you'll, you'll share that with other people and talk about the big prize that you, you won. Or maybe had a bonus, right? You'll, you'll talk about that with your wife and maybe with your family and just as appropriate. You'll, you'll talk about that because something, something big has, has happened to you or you landed a job. You'll, you'll talk about that because you're excited. Now, what's the biggest thing that's happened to you? I hope your answer is, I've come to faith in Christ. He's forgiven me of all this. Okay, there's the biggest thing. Are you talking about that? You talk about other things, are you talking about that? And if you're not talking about it, Maybe the sign your fruit isn't there. It should be a, a challenge to you. This, this leper ought to, you, ought to be a challenge to you. Jesus says of him in Isaiah 53 that he himself took our infirmities and he carried away our diseases. And that's what he's done with our sin. That's what he did with this leprous man. And you have to be compelled to speak and talk about it. And so if, if you're not, I just encourage you to say, you know what, God, maybe you've lost the wonder. And maybe this leper, after he, he told everybody, maybe after three years, maybe he quieted down. But I think he always has a story to tell. <laughs> Let me tell that story about how Jesus cleansed me. See, I came up to him and I said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus mocked me and he says, if I can, of course I can. And he made me clean right then and there. It's a story that, that he would never tire of telling. That him in the in our hymnals, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. Just loving to tell that, and I, that will flesh itself out in different ways. Okay, that will flesh itself out to your kids. Spiritual conversation is a fruit of, of God working in your life. It, it'll work out with those you rub against. In Christian circles and in non-Christian circles, it will come out as is appropriate. But if you've genuinely been impacted, you will speak, right? When people are helped, they will speak. If you're not speaking, logic says perhaps you've not been helped. Maybe today's a day of repentance for you. Well, let's pray together. Oh, Father, I pray that we might realize that this is a room full of lepers, that we are all unclean. God, how apart from the, um, the work of Jesus Christ, oh Lord, we are, we are lost and bankrupt and we are outcast and we are away from You. But thank You that through the blood of Jesus we've been brought near to You. Um, God, I, I pray for those who aren't talking of Jesus. God, maybe it's because their life doesn't match up and they're ashamed. I pray, Lord, that You would work this measure of sanctification in their life that there would not be the shame there. Maybe there's a shame because they don't love Jesus. Father, I pray that You would just grant repentance and show Your glory. Father, I think of these kids and the trajectory of their, their life and what it's about. I, I pray that they would be eager, uh, God, to, to go on that trip. Just even thank You for my daughter who just contemplated coming home for spring break but says, I, I want to go on an evangelistic 
mission to Florida over spring break to spread the gospel. Lord, we pray you'd give us hearts to share the gospel as well with neighbors and friends and workers and acquaintances and family. God, but it does, it's not, from, not just from us telling, it's, it's from us being impacted. So God, I pray that we would enjoy your grace. That's what we come each Sunday to do is to enjoy your grace. God, that you would so impact us that we would extend your glory as this leper did. I pray you'd help us even to understand more fully just the the riches of your word as we start putting these connections together. God, to be edified in that. I pray even next Sunday as we talk about the Day of Atonement, just may we really rejoice and may the, the sacrifice of Christ even come clear of just the one day when the atonement really happened. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. Just that one day. He didn't have to go back next year. He didn't have to go back the year after that. But the one day when Christ died on the cross for the sins of those who believe. And so, Lord, in that, we just look and we rejoice. God, change us, so God. Be with us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.